This is episode number 225 of the Rising Man podcast with Carrie Azuma. Safety begins with a healed and integrated nervous system. Welcome back, Rising Man family. Thank you for being here today. My name is Jetty Azuma, and I'm the host of the Rising Man podcast, founder of the Rising Man movement, and delighted to introduce my guest for today's episode. But first, I want to remind you guys that we've got a new year coming up. 2023 we've got a whole lineup of compasses an opportunity for you to come join us for a four-day solo wilderness experience a, a rite of passage experience that takes you over the course of four months from an old identity laying that one to rest and going on a rebirth journey a really beautiful process if you haven't heard about it before go check out some information at risingman.org compass we're going to be shooting out a bunch of new content and videos informing you guys about what compass is and how to get more involved but you can get started by going over to the website today getting more information these spots are going to fill up quick guys i already have a bunch of people who are on the waiting list from this year so go ahead over there get your application in today so you can get a seat and join us for one of our compasses in 2023 Okay, my guest today is none other than my beautiful and amazing wife and partner, Carrie Azuma. She is the amazing mother of my children. She has also led countless women in leadership over the years, supporting them in embodying their purpose. She is currently shifted into a whole new and amazing journey of healing and transformation work where she's focusing on helping women to heal their nervous systems and helping them to become fully integrated in their purpose, their power, and all the beautiful ways that we want to see women on this planet. Uh, so I am delighted to bring her on this show so she can share a lot of her new expertise that she has in this field and also just because I'm her number one fan. <laughs> uh, so in this episode, Carrie shared her wisdom and expertise in the nervous system. What is a nervous system anyway? And how can we understand this approach to personal transformation and healing? She talked about how we can identify and communicate our needs to our partners for both men and women, how to do that more effectively because that's something that trips all of us up. And why truly healing and integrating your nervous system requires a much slower approach than traditional growth and development practices. Carrie also gives her take on why healing nervous systems is essential when it comes to creating the world we want to see, why you are the one in the driver's seat for this style of transformation. And lastly, Carrie drops some wisdom on identity, our social nervous system, and how to transform the stories we have about ourselves. This, without further ado, Carrie Zuma. All right, Rising Man family, I've got another amazing guest here joining me here today, but she should be a familiar one, my beautiful wife, Carrie Azuma, who's jumping into the hot seat. Welcome to the show again, babe. Thank you. It's so nice to be back in a different capacity. Yeah. yeah last time you were here, we really dove into our relationship and sharing more of our relationship with other people because we wanted that to, I think there's so much value in just presenting our honest selves. I think it's one of the things that you and I do best. Um, and specifically this time around, wanted to really highlight the work that you've been doing. Um, not just for the past 12 years, but especially in the past couple of years that you've really dug into. So let's start with just talking about the nervous system, because I know that's your greatest passion and fascination right now. And a lot of people, they hear nervous system and probably think of textbooks and health class and brains and bones and little yellow things coming off of our spinal cord. So what is so interesting and important about the nervous system that most people don't even think about. <laughs> that visual is actually much more sophisticated than the one I ever had. I just knew about fight or flight <laughs> before I really trained in this. Um, 
Well, yes. So ah, the nervous system, it's so one thing I love is that the nervous system is actually coming into a greater like view, you know, on a social level right now, Um, especially in the growth and development world. It's a little risky as well because it's becoming a little bit of like a self-help kind of healing um, compartment. Like most things in the space, right? Yes. And it is actually so complex that um, it's not something you can simplify like many of the concepts in the coaching industry. So it is so fascinating and it really has pulled my attention. And really the reason... That I switched over into this. I've always done somatic leadership primarily with women. I coached mothers for five years on um, feminine leadership and motherhood. And there was always a, a, a space in me. And and also I could see this in the women I was coaching that, that there's something missing. There's something that's being overridden. Um, and what I realized is I was teaching, you know, like all of the principles of moving women forward. But doing in order to do so there was this kind of sense of like just holding on tight and and pushing forward you know sort of this um this ethos that kind of developed out of the coaching industry of like you know rigidity and discipline and and moving forward and and realizing that there was a lot of perfectionism that I was recovering from and that I was getting produced in some of the clients I had so circa that that sort of gut feeling, um, I had shut down my corporation and stopped coaching for a while, as I've shared on some previous episodes, and stayed home with our children. And as you know, that was one of the most challenging times for me, um, as far as you know, just really being present with my biggest edge, which was mothering at that time. And what I realized was the nervous system. It was just so clear to me. It was my nervous system. I really got a feel and a, a deeper understanding of like, wow, there is this underlying whole <clears throat> city or world that is existing and running and sending me messages beneath the surface of cognition, right? Like my brain, my thinking that I am just really unfamiliar with. And I I want to teach her. I want to know how to support women really getting this piece healthy. And I so badly wanted to, to be on that next phase. Like that was like my next iteration. I could feel it coming in within me of there's so much, um, to discover about how my nervous system works and what it has, what healing that has to offer my life and my leadership. I love that. And I think one of the simplest distinctions to make about the nervous system is between reactivity and responding. And I think that's something a lot of people can relate to. We all have our reactions. Anyone who has children, anybody who has a partner, any one of us who gets triggered, which should be everybody who's listening. Anyone that is a human. (laughs) If you're a human being with a pulse, then you're prone to reactivity. And there's a very real structural system in our bodies that is designed to create reactions that will help us survive. Exactly. So thinking of this autonomic part of our nervous system as our survival nervous system, it doesn't think because if we had to think about all of our responses, then sometimes we would die. <laughs> There's just not enough time to, to think about responding. Yeah, talk about overwhelm. We would be in charge of so much. It's really amazing that we have. It's actually incredible. Human body is amazing that we have these systems, right? Just breathing, just breathing alone just happens so automatically. We don't think about it all day and it's keeping us alive. And the same thing is happening with our nervous system. It's mm-hmm. literally keeping us alive for, mm-hmm. by sending us cues and information constantly. And sometimes there's a cost to that. Sometimes one of the consequences of these patterns that we've developed for ourselves for survival is that it sticks with us for too long and it follows mm-hmm. us into adulthood. 
And now all of a sudden the, tra- the trauma response or reaction that I had as a kid because I was bullied is now showing up in my relationships with adult people who aren't actually bullying me, but I'm looking for those responses right. or I'm looking for those indicators that cue that reactive system, right? Yeah. A really beautiful way to explain this actually comes from um, one of our gurus, Alison Armstrong, who we learned a lot about um, male and female relationship through her. And she sort of explains that like when women, when they're, when their men are upset or if they're feeling like off kilter and they're not like the grounded, secure partner that we normally can see or attach to, um, that there feels like there's a tiger in the room mm. for the woman. I actually use this language with Jetty in our house when I'm, when he's walking around, I'm like, are you okay? He's like, I'm fine. Sometimes it's just that he's tired or sometimes something upset him and he's kind of getting over it in his own process. But for me, like there is something that is triggered that says, oh my gosh, my partner is not okay. And that makes me feel really unsafe. And there is a tiger in the room. Mm. And I'll say to him, like, I understand you're okay. And I just have to say, it feels like there's a tiger in the room because you're not okay. And so now my partner, my protector is not as available to protect me if there's a tiger in the room. Mm -hmm. But of course there's no tigers in our room, right? Uh, Like that's not really the life we're living in unless you're living out in the Sahara or something. Um, But the actual, our actual DNA still detects this from like cave women days, right? Like we still have these pieces of our DNA and, and our nervous system that's running that says, Hey, watch out. There's a danger. And so many of those responses are automatic and they default into all these little ways that we interpreted safety growing up. Mm-hmm. Specifically between ages zero and seven, our nervous system um, baseline and our key points of our nervous system, they sort of get um, set around mm-hmm. those age ranges. It's not that they can't change or they can't be rewired and, and you know, with work and practice but that's a time where we're, we're absorbing and absorbing and learning so much about our environment that so many of what I call the safety cues, right? They, those get set into our body and that starts informing these automatic defaulted responses that may or may not be serving us, right? right. A lot of um, coaches call this like stories, right? Oh, that's just a story or that's, um, you know, that's something you carried in from childhood, but it's, now it's become a story, and yes, that's accurate. But that story is sometimes when we say that's just a story, we interpret that as, oh, our mind is making up a story. Mm-hmm. But what's actually happening is our body is informing us that there's like a pattern that's repeating from something we learned when we were younger. So there's there's someone who is set off in a coffee shop and he's yelling at the barista and all of a sudden you have flashbacks of your alcoholic father, right? Yelling at your mom. So you may have, your body may say exit the building or your body may say, go resolve that issue depending on how you coped at that time. So it may be that you coped by hiding out in your room. It may be that you coped by becoming the helper or the mediator. And so however those kind of cues developed when you were little to cope, you'll enact that in some way, most likely in your adulthood when you see those triggers pop up. And so you can't just talk yourself out of the story of like, oh, that's, you know, I'm triggered right now because my dad was an alcoholic. You You can be aware of that, 
But to expect your body to just feel okay because you understand the story isn't realistic. Well, and that's an important thing, I think, for a lot of people who may, maybe they're not as familiar with the distinctions of stories and reframes and all of that. Mm. That the, the vision that I had as you were explaining it is that it's not these stories that we have, quote unquote stories, are not just words on a page that we have stored somewhere in the hard drive of our brains, but it's right. more like an interactive theatrical performance of a past that we have that we're actually partaking in. We're not right. just witnessing and observing. And it's like, go, instead of reading a book, it's like being a part of that story in an interactive theater where you're actually part of the performance, whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, so there's, there's that level of participation that our nervous system is having. And so what I've heard you say is that we can't simply re reprogram the story in our brains. Like if we were correct coders and in the tech world, <laughs> we can go in and delete some lines of code and then go install new ones. Right. right. So, <laughs> so if you could, as simply as you could, could put it, what does it actually look like? What is actually the experience of reprogram reprogramming those stories on a, on that level? Mm. How do I put that simply? <laughs> the nervous system is such a complicated and dynamic system. Um, well, I would say, first of all, something that's very important to understand about this is it's not fast. Mm. It's not fast. You know, there's a lot of um, support out there for managing trauma or, you know, like un- getting unstuck, right? We hear some of this language out in the growth and development world. Get unstuck, fully express yourself. But if you're frozen, right? Because fight, flight, or freeze are some states that can come out of our nervous system. And I can explain those if that's helpful. Um, but if you're frozen, and fro- so actually, let me explain that a little bit, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we do have the fight, flight, or freeze response that comes out of, um, it's a nervous system state. And the fight, they all have a light and they all have a shadow. So they all have a positive and, and they all have sort of like, n- you know, not non-effective ways of functioning. And when we're looking at fight, for example, like healthy fight would be, um, you know, like healthy aggression, being in the pocket, getting excited, um, orgasm, like, you know, all of these ways in which we have like this healthy aggression or energy coming, hyper arousal coming through. But when we are um, sort of in in the negative space around that, so to speak, it can feel like we have to like fight our way through. We have to push. We have to um, save ourselves by facing and bracing and pushing forward. And that can that can happen in any kind of situation, not just like when we're actually fighting someone, but it can happen with work. It can happen with relationship, with our children. Um, flight response is, you know, like I have to leave the situation. There's nothing I can do here. I have to dodge it. I have to move away. I have to avoid Um, I had a big flight response with raising our first child, for example, right? You know, I felt anxious a lot. So if someone could come babysit him and they took him, I'd be like, okay, I'm out of here. Like I just had to get out of the house in order to feel sane or okay. And then for years, I couldn't be really fully present with like tantrums or like loud crying because it really triggered something deep in my system around the time that he was born, you know, and when, how traumatic that was. And then the freeze response is when fight or flight is not available. Like when your system is so flooded and overwhelmed that you cannot fight and you cannot even flee. It's just like, you're like, I'm checking out. I'm out of here. Imagine pulling a blanket over your head in your bed and just being like, I'm hiding from the world. Um, 
and there's sort of this mood of resignation that comes with that and being resigned. And by that, I mean, um, no matter what I try, the result will be the same. I'm still going to be in the same space. Like there's nothing I can do. Um, and so, you know, when we're in like a freeze, so I'll go back to this example, we can't just force somebody into safety. You cannot force the nervous system to go into safety. So a lot of the times when we're, and I speak a lot about the growth and development industry because I've come from that industry for so long and there's things that I recognize that I've even taught that I'm like, wow, this this worked for a while, but it didn't sustain. It didn't stay with me um, to keep me feeling inner safety. This produced an external result that created some sort of confidence that moved me forward and it was useful for a while, but none of it took me out of survival. None of it took me out of feeling that deep feeling of survival, which I lived with for years. So it wasn't actually reprogramming the story. You were just bypassing it or blasting your head through that brick wall to get the result on the other side. Exactly. Exactly. And not all of it. I mean, there was some stuff that really stuck with me. I mean, the somatic training embodiment, you know, the the leadership embodiment work that I was trained in um, with Scott Cody, like for for sure was sustaining. And it's to this day, some of the best work I've ever done that still stays with me. I still teach it to my clients. I combine it with the nervous system work um, because it's all part. It's all together. Right. It all blends together. Um, But, yeah, there's there's a slowness that is necessary. Our our nervous system can only regulate in real time. Mm. So we have to be incredibly present. Like even with my clients, there's no formula I follow. It's like whatever they show up with, that's what they're feeling safe enough to reveal that day. And so we work and we sift and we look through what's happening with what's showing up in that day and we access how can we create safety? How can we create more safety around this? And so it. So I guess my answer of how do I start resh- you know, shifting this is I look at with people, what is their baseline? It, this is a really important concept when you're working with your nervous system. A baseline is basically like, what's homeostasis? What is the, the space I'm always sort of resting at? You know, it's kind of like what we come back to, our comfort zone, if you will, right? Um, and for me, when I started this work, I realized that my baseline was I'm safe when I'm controlling. Control was like a really rich place where I felt very comfortable and really lived my life from for a long time. So when my my birth came along with my son, for so many years, I thought, oh, that was trauma because it was so, I had all my expectations set and like, it was a really scary event and it just wasn't the birth that I wanted and I never had surgery before and here's like my baby getting cut out of me and it was, and yes, all of those things were trauma, like events, traumatic events. But when I started doing this work, it was shown to me that it wasn't so much the trauma of that event, it was that my baseline being control was so thrown out of balance by birth Mm-hmm. by a birth that I didn't expect, by um, entering into motherhood in a way that was very ungrounding and completely different from my expectation. So control was just blasted. Like someone threw a grenade in the world that I had so sneakily controlled. And I never even saw how much I needed to be in that much control mm. until that event met that. And so when we're experiencing trauma, a lot of the times it's meeting 
something in our baseline, like our basic way of being, the way we have learned to stay safe, which for me was control. And it really explodes the experience of our comfort. Does that make sense? Am I being too, yeah, like no. going too far here? No, no, it makes a lot of sense. I think that that's probably where the intersection of your work and, and guidance for people really comes into place because one of the hardest things for any of us to do is to see ourselves honestly. And that's why yeah. coaching and circles are really helpful because we can look into the reflection of that mirror. So I just think about where this applies for men and what I've seen and the the places where it can get really frustrating when you see somebody who's so clearly reliving a pattern. The word reflex came to mind. I don't know if it's because we're talking about nervous systems here, but it's like a, hmm. a reflex that's built in. That's when you talk about baseline. Yeah. I think of a reflex that is hardwired into this organism of a being I am. Yeah. I like that. that when something is introduced, this is what I do. It's, it's like, uh, and you see it all over human existence where we have systems and protocols. If A happens, we do B. If <laughs> C happens, we do D. And it, it, it's a way of the nervous system hacking itself and simplifying so that it doesn't have to think. It doesn't have yes, to Yes, I actually love the way calories. you explained that because that's exactly what our nervous system does. If this happens, we'll do A. If that happens, we'll do B. But it's actually kind of hardwired into the, the programming of your cellular memory. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if we're experiencing exactly the same original stimulus that created that line of code in the program, but if but the reflex identifies that I guess the I think of like a sensor detection system that's like oh there's that thing that might be happening let's do let's have this response to it this reflex mm. which is a very yeah. difficult thing to train and so I I right. think about just like you know, obviously my background in martial arts and athletics there's a lot of hours and time and repetition that's put into creating these reflexes so that I don't have to think when I step into the ring or when I'm sparring with somebody, mm -hmm. uh, but then also having the capacity to actually do those moves. Like for, for example, I'll use a martial arts example, kicking, like kicking somebody in the face. Like that's not something that most people can do. You don't yeah. just find someone on the street and say, kick that person in the mouth. Most people can't lift their leg that high. So there's a I lot certainly of, can't. There's a, there's a lot of practice that goes into that. And so there's hours yeah. and time, there's flexibility, there's strength, there's balance, a lot of components. And so when I think about your work with the nervous system, you talk very deliberately about how slow it is and how it's not something that you just identify it and delete the line of code and then reinstall something else. So Right. That would actually throw the body into a really big like crisis, you know, because over time, um, my mentor Alicia calls it... Um, breaking up with personality, breaking up with mm -hmm. personality. And um, I love that concept because we create a person, there's a little theoretical, but follow me here, because this, this is sort of when you get really deep into the work, mm -hmm. you kind of start seeing this. Um, when you have a personality, just think of this concept, right, of personality. This is who I am, mm -hmm. right? This is who I am. And we've developed this concept of this is who I am. Like how, if I said, Jenny, how do you make sense of yourself? I love this question. Alicia asks, how do you make sense of yourself? Tell me right how now. How do I make sense of myself? Mm -hmm. I don't even know where to begin. Just throw out a few things. How do I make sense of myself? Like who's uh, Jenny? Is feedback from other people. Okay. Um, who I believe myself to be. Okay. How I, how I see myself in the world. Um, Which is what? Like, how do I see myself? Yeah. yeah, I see myself as a good person. I see myself as integral, determined, disciplined, 
most of the time. Mm -hmm. I see myself as um, generous, loving. Mm -hmm. So I make sense of myself, I guess, through words, Mm. descriptive adjectives. Uh, And then I connect, usually I connect those words to evidence that I have that that's true. Right. So what you're doing is you're connecting it to your life, right? You're looking Mm. at, okay, this is how I show up with integrity. This is how I show up with love. This is... And it's really interesting because a lot of people, when they first answer this question, they, they mention roles. Well, I'm a mother. Um, I am a coach. Um, I am a community steward, right? Like, mm. um, I love to help people um, move their house and, you know, set up camp or, you know, like, this is what I specialize in. I love, I'm an artist, Um, And it's so easy for us to go into the role conversation. You didn't do that, which is interesting. You kind of went more into, but I love what you said. You described it with words, right? Um, And it's, it's really just an interesting question of, you know, when I answered this question, I really thought about this and I thought, hmm, I make sense of myself through my heart. I really, I make sense of myself through, through like my heart space. That's where I look to remember who Carrie is, mm. you know, and so many of us have trouble looking at this like concept of ourself through a our body or our emotional or energetic. We we are so addicted to looking at who we are based on the reflection of the world, right? Do people reflect like you said feedback, right? Um, so it's it's how how we get reflected. And, and listen, this is totally normal, <laughs> you know. Like I'm not saying like oh. You know, people who do that are so lame or they don't have, they're not woke, um, <laughs> but that's not true. It's um, it's more just like asking this sort of theoretical question to look at, wow, we really have these personalities that we kind of show up with in our exchange and when we're coordinating action and when we're leading, which leadership's always up for me. That's what I teach, right? Um, so in order to like actually dig into the underpinnings of our nervous system, we have to observe how we've set up our personality, like what our personality is built on. Are we out there saying like, I am a boss mom, right? Or a boss babe. Okay. So if that's your personality, what is it that you have to keep up with? What is the mapping? This is a term, sorry, but like a mapping in our system. Like we all have these little maps that we've created, like little clues, little stops, right? That lead us to who we're being. Um, And every map, we all have our own maps. It's unique and distinct based on our experiences. And imagine moving quickly, right? Through that map and just being like, okay, let's change this. Let's change that. Let's change this. Let's have you change your personality all at once and be this new person. And you would have like a breakdown Mm. because everything you've built your safety on is now crumbling. And that would be a terrifying experience. Mm. So what I'm supporting people with is examining the ways in which you interpreted safety growing Mm. up. I mean, it's really simple, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's simple and it's not. It's, it's complex and it's simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just going into, okay, when you were, when, you know, when you have this trigger with your wife around or your partner around not feeling good enough or acknowledged, how old do you feel when that's happening? Usually everyone has an answer for that question when I coach them. It's usually like between five or, or 10. I usually find it's like very interesting. Um, so they might say like I was seven years old when I feel like I feel like I and I started saying what happened at seven? What was your experience? And then there's always something connected mm. that reflects the current experience they're having in some way. 
And then we can start unveiling like, oh, that's where that trigger comes from. This is how, this is why that feels unsafe. So it's a huge examination of safety. And then over time, as, as the, the client, so to speak, um, sort of emerges into safety, they will start asking to, cha- to like address certain parts of their life. You know, like, nah, today I want to work on this, you know? And so we'll work on this thing that they feel like maybe it's eating, right? Maybe eating is up for them. And so we'll work on that. And of course, that touches everything else in their life as far as safety goes. But it's like little pieces will start to emerge that, that people want to work on where they, they start building enough safety. Usually the bigger rocks happen at the end of the, of the sessions, right? Like towards the end of the time, our time together, um, which is what happened with me too, right? Like I wasn't really talked to, ready to talk about sexuality until I've been doing this work for a long time. And I remember saying to Alicia, I wish we had worked on this earlier. And she said, you weren't ready. Mm-hmm. Your nervous system didn't feel safe enough to even bring this to the table, which is so different, right? Than when we're coaching on a mindset or um, a quick level. It's like, we're just going to cover this week. We're going to cover money this week. We're covering sex this week. We're covering, And people just really may not be ready to truly unveil what is there. So this is sort of the, the big reason why I actually work with people for longer. Now I used to work with people for shorter stints, but like nine months is my ideal. <laughs> 12 months is really the most ideal, but nine months is the minimum because the pace of how we actually produce the rewire of how we look at safety and produce new safety takes time. Mm-hmm. I hope that wasn't too long winded, <laughs> but it's really important to really understand this. Well, it's, it's really clear that you're, you're really passionate about it and that there's a high degree of, of, uh, I guess discovery is what it feels like to me to really, to really have lasting change. Cause I think yes. one of the things that I'm frustrated by in, especially in the field of men's work is that usually well, we've created an expectation collectively as leaders in the men's workspace that you can go and you can do a three-day retreat or you can go to attend a men's circle for the first time and you can have a really impactful experience, but expecting that that one data point is enough to compensate for a whole lifetime right. of, of having this cause and effect relationship. This is happening, so I'm going to do this. This is happening, I'm going to do this. It's like it's like eating junk food all the time and then suddenly saying, you know, I'm going to have a salad and expecting that you're going to wake up and feel transformed. So I think that fits in the greater scheme of just transformation and change. We could be talking about physical body transformation. We could be talking about energetics and mood and nervous system like we are here. But overall, I think it's just important to note that all change, all lasting and meaningful change is something that happens gradually and that there shouldn't be this expectation that we can just go and, have a couple of experiences or have someone tell us a couple of the right things and then go fly, you know? And I see a lot of people in the space, especially guys who've been involved in it for a long time, especially men who are a little bit older, who, especially if they're in that mindset that, well, if anyone can, can do that, can decide to change, then I should be able to, it doesn't really make room for that transformation and change to happen. And it can lead to this, why can't you just be more disciplined? Why can't you just do what you said you were going to do when actually there's an underlying pattern and program that's playing? Yes. Which could also be so such a like deterrent, right. To their confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, if they're led in that way. So there's like been a, a lot of breakups I've had with the coaching industry, like the coaching training I've had around, um, 
pushing sort of an agenda on somebody to commit to something, right? Like mm. commitment can just be such a funny way to like manipulate yourself. And like, I'm going to commit to eating this for three months or eating <laughs> this way for three months. And if I don't, you know, then I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a failure, right? The, the subtext of that is I'm a failure. I'm bad. I'm not disciplined. I recently, um, I did a guest talk in a group and this woman who had, you know, really struggled with like eating, she she was like, I don't know why I just can't commit to this. Like, I feel like I'm such a failure. Like, I, I, I why don't I love myself enough to just eat this way, right? Mm. And I was like, I know I'm not here to talk about this, but I actually really want to work with you on your nervous system in this moment because there's so much that is probably behind why you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And it's not who you are. And people make it about, oh, I am not disciplined. They they start creating a personality around it. Mm. They start adding to their personality trait of like, I am a commitment phobe. I am a failure. I am a bad eater. Um, and sometimes we pin this stuff on our kids. It's so funny, right? Like if our kids don't eat well, we're like, oh, they're a bad eater. They're a bad sleeper, mm. right? It's like little things like that we pick up on and mm. we we internalize those things. And I mean, it does you don't have to be perfect and like watch every single thing you say to your kids. It's never going to be possible. Right. (laughs) That would overwhelm our nervous systems as well. Um, But it is interesting how, how these cues form us. So it's possible because this happened to me that with that person um, and I really related to what she was saying is that, you know, I grew up with somebody who was, you know, um, in my household who was like constantly on a diet, constantly watching what they ate. And so I, equated eating with control. Like, oh, and it, and it looked miserable to me. I was like, I never want to do that. It, like, there was an internalization of like, that person is never happy, right? They're, she's never happy with food. Like, there's no joy and celebration around her ability to just be with it. There was always some sort of like, I, some battle. And, you know, that's her journey, you know. So it, it's, there's no judgment there. Um it's just that when I watched that, I created a coping mechanism within myself to say, I will never control my food. Mm-hmm. So I made an assumption that in order for food to be safe, quote unquote, I had to be rigid around it. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> and then I rebelled against it. I was like, Okay, well, I'm never going to do that. I'm just going to eat what I want. So when I had to go on elimination diets or something that was like necessary to rebalance my health, I would have a really hard time committing because I would I would say like, no, it is not safe to be rigid around food. So I'm rebelling against that. Mm-hmm. And it, I was rebelling against control that I set up in order to cope. So one of the things we can say is that the nervous system is undefeated. There's no way to hack the nervous system. And that's one thing that really bothers me is that people say, well, there's this hack and that hack. And really all we're doing is we're we're putting things together with scotch tape. (laughs) And and yeah, sure. Maybe you can do a cold plunge and override some of your biochemistry to get a specific result. But when we're talking about these longer sustained patterns, even for people to understand, because I also obviously I have a science background, right? I know what it takes for change to happen on a neurological level. Just look at anybody who's had a stroke. Anybody who's, if you've ever known somebody who's had a neurological event, whether it's traumatic brain injury, a hemorrhage in the brain, something of this nature, just to learn to walk again, to learn to pick up a fork and feed themselves is months and months of recovery. 
and they even used to tell us back when I was in PT school that in there, when someone under has an injury like this, some sort of neurological injury, that there's an 18 month window in which progress can be made. Mm. And after that 18 months is usually where it, it the, the returns on rehab start to diminish. But mm. 18 months yeah. of constantly doing rehab hours and hours a day to relearn these simple functions, there's a lot of energy and effort that goes into it. So just that idea that we can just hack the nervous system and suddenly change it to be different is I think probably the most profound thing for us to understand. And that getting to the root and understanding of why is my body and my whole wiring reacting and responding this way in the first place. It sounds like that's square one, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's funny because as you're talking about that, I was thinking of not square one, but like the, what it actually takes, you know, like Mm -hmm. to really support your nervous system healing. And two of the principles are, and it sounds cheesy and whatever it may, however this hits you, but self-love, like massive self-compassion mm-hmm. and nurturance. Like mm-hmm. you have to actually learn how to do that for yourself. You have to learn how to reparent yourself. It's a reparenting process, right? Mm-hmm. Cause everything, every stamp of safety uh, that you uh, received, <clears throat> you now have to question maybe not every stamp. Okay. That's overwhelming, but you know, the main, the big rocks, right. That you received around maybe food or work or money or relationship. You got to, you got to turn that rock upside down and look underneath like what's, what's down there. And, and then whatever you see, whatever, it's a lot of, it's a lot of quote unquote shadow work, but, um, I don't find it like so dark because I think sometimes trauma work can feel really like, Ooh, like, okay, let's brace ourselves to go into trauma work. It doesn't have to be such a deep dig. In fact, when I'm working with people in trauma with the nervous system, I do not go right into like, let's jump into your trauma and relive that and, you know, nurture that. Mm. I don't do that. I, I wait and I walk around it with them and I, I, you don't have to actually go into like the intensity of the experience. Mm. Um, you can if that's what's called forward in well, someone. Well, that's just a different modality. Right. But yeah. also the client the, who's in the seat is always leading me. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. I am watching where, like, what are you feeling safe for? And this, this concept of like, as you know, coaching methodology sometimes puts like the coach in the seat of like, I am going to set a context for you to walk into. It's very much the opposite when I'm coaching nervous system. I'm waiting for them to set up the context of, okay, where are we going? And okay, mm-hmm. I'm your guide. I'm behind you. And we're going to go look at this. And you don't have to look at the whole thing. What do you feel safe at looking at right now? Um, we don't have to talk about that until you're ready. Um, I had someone in my group who didn't want to be coached in front of the group and it took six months, you know, or I'm sorry, not six. It took four months for her to get in the hot seat and that was totally fine. You know, I wasn't like, you know, you're not jumping in, you're not being your word. You're not like getting in the game. I didn't No, She could have gone the whole program and just taken in whatever she needed and, and what shifted for her, I believe, and you know, I'm speaking for her, is that she got the spaciousness to have choice. And the nervous system needs choice. It actually needs choices. If it feels trapped, it will fight, or it will fly, or it will freeze. At what point does that just become avoidance? 
Oh, that's a beautiful question. Um, well, that's when it's great to have a guide. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's why it is good to have someone in the seat where I'm sitting um, because there's some poking around that, right? Like, mm-hmm. but it's really, it's, yeah, sometimes it is avoidance, you know? Um, and I find that when, when there is enough safety produced, it, it will come into maturation. It will mature into being revealed. Right. I mean, um, I've had people in the seats, uh, you know, as my clients in groups and stuff where at first it was just like, I will never talk about that. And then like a few months later, they're like saying the whole thing in the group. And mm-hmm. I didn't ask them to do that. I didn't challenge them to do that. I didn't say, Hey, you'll really heal faster if you can really just reveal this. Right. They brought that in cause it, it was time. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's avoidance, you know, it, it's going to be there. Like there will be avoidance. I, I think we have to also make avoidance, uh, normal. Right. And, mm. but if, if they're holding back, you know, there's all these beautiful ways to dance around like, okay, well, what is your desire? What is your desire? Mm-hmm. What are you longing for? And then looking from that lens of going into, okay, well, do you want to see what's there as far as building a new way to explore that. Mm -hmm. And if they're not ready, they're just not ready. Mm -hmm. You know? And and I think it is, it's, it's interesting because I'm working with women, right? And we're talking to a lot of men probably on this podcast. And I do think that it's, it, there is a little bit of different, probably different approaches for men to really be met in how their nervous system reactions are. Um, Well, let me, let me speak to that for a moment. Cause I actually think that, it's actually not that different because I've been listening to that this whole time mm. that you've been talking and listening for well, what is the common thread. Uh, I generally don't like to make too many broad generalizations about men or women, and, yeah. you know, because everybody, same. You know. But at the same time, I do think that the common denominator in all of it is creating a context of safety, right? It's like mm. the, the nervous system sounds like will default to its reflexes unless it feels safe enough to consider something different. And so I've been in rooms where I've had guys where we are doing very intense physical, mental, emotional exercises that can elicit big feelings, emotions, even traumas. I've had that happen in the room. And in those moments, it's really important to let that person, let that person's nervous system know that, hey, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Let's look around and see where's that tiger. There isn't, there's no tiger in the room here. Yeah. And sometimes this is where the the guidance is really important. Something else I know you really care a lot about is having people in the position where my nervous system can handle that. Because as a, as a leader or a facilitator in that, if my nervous system gets triggered in mm-hmm. into my overwhelm and reflexivity while somebody else is having that experience, that's when people get hurt. Yes. That's when damage yeah. can be done. That's when we double down on traumas and people have colored experiences. I and mean, instead of getting closer to resolution, we get further away from it. Yes. But in those moments, it sounds like the, the, the through line is safety. Because if I can pre- create a context of safety and say, hey, let's just take 10 feet back from what's happening right here. Mm-hmm. And let's just look at this and just notice what's what's coming up for you. Yeah. And if somebody can create enough distance from what's putting them over the edge to look at it differently and say, hey, today, you don't need to step in and do that. Mm. You don't have to if you don't want to. You can if you choose, but you don't have to. Yes. And nothing's going to happen if you don't. Sometimes that's like such a huge breakthrough for men or women. Totally. It's like, oh, I've been pushed my whole life or expected to perform or expected to be the hero or expected mm-hmm. to be the super, superman, you know, and it's like, you know, permission to, um, to opt out. 
you know, mm. and, and of course, if there's like a patterning of opting out, I feel like it so naturally emerges in this work. They, mm-hmm. They'll know, you know, it's like, I, th- I find the more safety I produce for my clients, the more they know and can access their intuition of what they actually want to reveal. Their soul wants it. Their soul wants it, you know, and yeah. more safety that is produced, the more their soul will emerge. Um, and something you said about your work, and I do, I do agree with you. I think the through line is safety. I think sometimes the context is different for men as far as languaging, right? Which is what I was really um, feeling when I was saying the difference, right? Um, but one thing that I learned from um, a beautiful friend, Emily White, who's both our friend, um, who does. Uh, mindful self-compassion leadership work. Uh, I, wouldn't, I don't know if it's a leadership work, but mindful self-compassion work based on the teachings of uh, Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer, who are amazing in this, in this realm. They, there's something called common humanity. And common humanity is in all of their meditations, right, of, of really dealing with difficult emotion around oneself. Like they have a lot of beautiful work around just really acknowledging the depth in the, of our feelings, of our emotional body. And a lot, in a lot of their meditations, they ask you to tune into common humanity and say out loud, I am not the only person who feels this way. Mm. You know, there are so many people out there dealing with this. And I do this a lot when I'm regulating my own nervous system. You know, there was a moment when we were putting our daughter down where she was just like tantruming. It was 10 o'clock. I'm so exhausted. She only wants me to put her to bed, as you know. And it's been such a struggle getting her to sleep lately. I'm our three-year-old. And I used to blow up and just say like, walk out of the room, flight response. I can't do this. Jenny, take over, right? That was a lot of how I was with Sitka. Mm. Um, but now that I'm doing this work and I, I'm just holding the space with Itzy, I say to myself internally, Whoa, this is really hard. I'm really angry. This is an example of how I regulate in these moments. I'm really, really angry right now. This is really difficult. It's not easy being a parent, you know? And and this is a moment where I just want to leave the room. I don't want to be here. My daughter's being so irrational. I know it's not her fault, but I'm so angry with her right now for not going to sleep. Mm. And and I know I'm not the only mom dealing with this. In this moment, there's another mother out there up late with her kid, and she's upset too. And right now, I'm just going to tap into her energy and just feel that I'm not alone. I'm not the only person who is having this reality. And what that actually does, the common humanity, is it creates a more of a, it actually accesses our social nervous system. Our social nervous system wants to tell us to fit in. And it might say, you're the one mother who cannot get it together. Mm. Your friends are not having these problems with sleep. Your, you know, your identity as a mother is the wounded mother right now. Like you don't know what you're doing, whatever, whatever context comes up from, from, you know, that experience. Um, but when I say that I'm not alone, I'm actually saying it to me, to my little girl, to my, to myself that Mm. I need to hear this. Like, I need to acknowledge that there is another mother out there that is pissed off right now that her kid won't go to sleep. And right now I'm in it with her Mm. and I can do that without being in the room with her even. Right. Um, and it's such a beautiful principle because it provides massive self-compassion and it 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 relaxes that part of my social nervous system that says I actually do fit in. Mm. This is also normal. And then I, and then when I do that for myself, I can look at my daughter and say, Oh man, look at her. 
she's having such a hard time. Man, it must be so hard for her right now to not fall asleep. She's suffering. She's frustrated. Mm. And when I did that, like when I, when I actually practice that, I can sit in the room with her for a very long time because I'm making space for myself in my humanity and I'm making space for her humanity. Mm. And then I'm tapping into the common humanity and it actually regulates our nervous system to do that. Man, I think just two huge takeaways from this that people get to hear is that, and they're not going to like it when I say it, but <laughs> that number one, there, any, any solution or path of healing is going to be a long one. It's not going to be quick. Yeah. Uh, especially if you want it to last, if you want it to be something that is not just a momentary quick fix, quick hit of relief, it's going to take time. And in addition to that, it's also going to, nobody can just give you the answer. It's a self-guided, self-directed journey. Mm -hmm. That's what I got from this so far is that um, oftentimes people are looking for somebody else to give them an answer that they can just apply to their lives and get the result as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. It's just product of the culture and society that we're raised in. We're, we're Which led to is believe also that. so hard on the guide. Mm -hmm. It's also so hard. It's a wound, I think, for a lot of guides out there to have to hold that intensity of like, I'm in charge of this person's healing, which we're so not. And, and pressure for results too, because pe people results. want results. Yeah. It's like this exchange, the society that's based on exchange that if I give you this, then I get this in return right. where it's so out of our control. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I've really even kind of dropped the coach handle a lot lately and just said, I, I think it's just, I'm a healer because <laughs> mm -hmm. what, what I love about my work now is I really just, I am just holding, <laughs> like I am just holding someone's in love. I'm just holding someone's nervous system with so much love and tenderness mm -hmm. while they explore it and excavate it. Mm -hmm. And to, to be held on that level is a very different thing you know, like it should be held for that long mm. on that level. Mm -hmm. It's like that can heal an entire <laughs> experience of bad parenting growing up. Right. Not sure. completely. We're always going to be coming back to our baseline, always coming back to homeostasis. Like th it's not that we're like fixing. We are, we are opening this like really beautiful space to say like, okay, here's what I play out. Here's what I play out and here's how I'm going to find safety to choose a different self. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, that's the whole game. Yeah. It's so, it's incredible. It's, I just love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And I, I'm curious if you have any, like knowing your audience or men or if there's anything that comes up, any questions that you, that you want to wrap up with. Actually, I think you did a really great job of, of weaving that all in there because a lot of what you shared is it's not gender specific. It's not man, woman, whatever you identify specific. Yeah. It's that we all have a central nervous system that is like you said, it's, it's, it's doing a really valuable service to us, right? It's taking a lot of the thinking and processing off of our plates, but it is something that we get to work with. And yeah. I think the, the relevance for where this might apply for men looking at themselves first in how my nervous system is responding. Cause in the absence of what you talked about, this more gradual process of reflection and identifying the root and baseline, and then starting to implement changes over time, 
I think we try to short circuit that with things like shame as a motivator, right? Mm. Why can't I just get it together? Or someone else saying that to me. Maybe it's a voice from my past of right. motivating myself from that place or everyone else is doing it. Why can't you just get it, get it going? Uh, which I know is something that a lot of men experience. Mm -hmm. So just dropping those pieces in, but then also understanding everyone else is walking around with a nervous system too <laughs> and how our nervous systems interplay off of each other and we can get caught up in, I know one of the tools that you also like to work with is the drama triangle, right? How do we start, if, if we go back to that image of this interactive theatrical play, there's like, it's, there's like multiple interactive theatrical plays happening all over the place. And when yeah. you walk down the street, you can get sucked into one or the other. And Well, and our nervous system loves placing us in a character role, right? Mm -hmm. It loves placing us in a role. Yeah. It loves certainty. Um, it loves knowing, it loves, you know, the, basically the opposite of curiosity. It's like, just give me certainty. Let me know what's happening. I, mm. I need to know what direction I'm going in. Please just, you know, keep it, keep it simple mm. uh, or keep it complicated actually. Um, but you know, one thing I'd love to say to men that are listening is actually speak to partnership a little bit because I know that there's so many times where men may feel, um, sort of like disenfranchised in their relationship or unacknowledged or, um, that they're not doing enough or, um, you know, that they're just providing, 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 and then they cannot seem to like get their woman to be happy. <laughs> mm. And there is such a component on the side of women of, you know, dysregulation and, um, how they're dealing with dysregulation. And of course, like women are having all these other complex systems of hormones and, and moon cycles and pregnancy and like all of these other pieces like physiologically that play into the resource, the, the, like how women are resourced and women need quite a bit, quite a lot of resourcing. Like we, we actually are not built to move fast or to push hard. And we've really been sort of like colonized into working with a really masculine structure mm. that doesn't always work for us. And so there's, I feel like the, this work is really a return. This is why I work with women. It's, it's really for me a return to women getting to be in the feminine principle because so many of the nervous system principles I work in are feminine principles of like slowing down. You know, is, how does that feel for you? Access your intuition. Um, how do you produce inner safety for women who are always coping with feeling unsafe? And, and I feel like just men can be really hard on themselves around... I am not creating safety for my woman. And I want you to know that a lot of the time that's really not on you. <laughs> mm. A lot of the time it's just that that woman has not quite yet grasped how to create that world within her that where she can access that inner safety and really live in that space. And I've noticed, God, just me doing this work, how much for Jetty I've been able to show up um, outside of panic or scarcity or um, tip for tatness, like exchanging resources because we're hoarding our resources of our mm. energy and our time and just recognizing like the more safe I feel internally, the more I can access my own regulation. Um, the more I can see Jenny, the more I can show up for Jenny, the more I can feel his, his, the way he shows up for me and how much he's using his body and his life force to love and support our family. Mm. Um, 
And I just have such a soft spot for men in this area of like, I see men working so hard to make their women feel safe. And then if those women are really, really dysregulated and, and really um, not finding ways to cope with that in a healthy way, it's not all on you, man. Mm. You know? And I just want to like drop that in here for the men because sure. women need this healing. That's what I'm here for. And it, we all need it at different levels, but it's not all on you. <laughs> Yeah, certainly. I think that's the last thing to speak about here is just my experience in supporting you and recognizing that you never needed me to provide a solution for you and even a container, right? Like we talk a lot about the masculine being the container for the feminine to express itself in that you also, you needed that for me at times, but I also couldn't be that container for you in every way that you needed to explore this part of yourself. And the, the constants of what you needed were love and patience and understanding and a willingness to listen and try to relate to your experience that over time I could see when, when I did that well, that it really reinforced these big changes that you were having within yourself. And so um, I know it gets kind of monotonous. We hear, we hear it all the time that men are so fixated on trying to provide solutions mm. when really we just need to be present with with the problem. And I see you way more empowered than I've ever known you to be to find your own solutions and not make things a problem because you created that room for yourself and I didn't get in the way. Yeah. Making things a problem was an addiction from mm -hmm. my, from mm -hmm. my defaulted ways of yeah. staying safe. Yeah. So yeah, it's really powerful. It's really powerful work, really powerful stuff. And I will say, I will say that mama getting regulated, I have seen a shift in our whole household Absolutely. of how everyone else has benefited. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Jetty and his mission, the kids and in, in their desire for presence and love. Um, there's just an energy that shifts and changes in the household when when nervous systems are tended to, <laughs> it's just like, it's really magical. Um, so yeah, I, I just love, I love this, how this is emerging and, and you know, there's no poo pooing, uh, other methods of nervous system access. I mean, breath work. Um, I do love cold plunges and like all the, the all those things are fantastic. They're really wonderful tools. And just like every modality has, supplementary work. So does the nervous system. And I think there's so many beautiful things, network chiropractic, like all these things are coming out to support the nervous system. And if I have to say this, like, and sound a little cheesy, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but I really believe that when we heal, when we heal the nervous systems of all of the people that this world will actually shift. I, I think we're people who are walking around with dysregulated and distorted views of power are walking around with distorted views of their self and their persona. And they're, they're, they're just trapped in, in a social nervous system that is so activated and so hyper aroused that it has to keep performing at a particular level to stay okay. And people are not aware of that. And that's not to say I'm trying to be the hero either. Of course. <laughs> this work has to be done in collaboration. Um, and, you know, we're all doing our part in the ways that we see fit. Yes. Uh, well, obviously, I, I love and support your mission so much. And I really appreciate you coming in here today and sharing all of your medicine with us. Uh, where would you like for people to go to find out more about what you're offering now and who specifically is a good fit for what you're offering? Yeah, um, 
I right now I'm just re restructuring all my things. Um, but Instagram is really the best way to find me. And I have a link tree there. Um, my Instagram is at Carrie Azuma, one word, K-A-R-I. Um, and I have a link tree with my newsletter that women can sign up for or men, um, if you want to be clued into what I'm speaking to here. Um, and I do leave a lot of really great content on there to just sort of you know, wake up the information for people so that they can slowly take it in. Um, but I am going to be offering a masterclass coming up in November, um, another group coming out in, in February. So there, there is, and I'm actually opening up to, um, fall clients one-on-one. So there's lots of space to learn and, and I, I really do hope to do more educational stuff and make it very accessible as I continue to go forward. So my first masterclass in November will be kind of a testing to see how I can put that out more into the world so the education can be actively available and then the coaching is is there if it's needed. Oh, and you okay. said who. So, you know, I really work with women between uh, anywhere from like 27 to 50, really. Um, but I tend to attract a lot of heroines, a lot of really strong women who have really acted from their, um, a lot of masculine push energy in their leadership and really restructuring that leadership to be a calm, easeful, beautiful experience of, you know, full expression from courage and values being lived out. And the work, the work does take courage, Hmm. but you know, that's part of it. Beautiful. Um, well, all those folks, I definitely encourage you. I am biased, but you should definitely go and follow my (laughs) wife. Uh, she's got some really wonderful things to bring into this world and really excited for, how it's all unfolding for you, honey. And I just really inspired by the very obvious and apparent change that I've, I've witnessed in you and always marvel at how you find ways to give that back to other people. So oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being on here today. Thanks, Eddie. Love you. <laughs>Hope you all enjoyed that episode. Make sure you head over to risingman.org to check out all the latest we got going on. Submit your application if you want to join us for one of our four-day solar wilderness fast called Compass coming up in 2023. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening to us in our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the rising man movement. And keep showing us that love everywhere you do. This movement is growing. It's becoming so much more powerful. I'm so excited for all the things we got coming up in this new year. So keep it going, guys. We got this. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.